Blog Talk Radio. I'm Tim Despain, alongside SpeedwayDigest.com, Mr. Stephen Wilson. He'll be joining us shortly, a little under the weather. But coming up here tonight, uh, 20 after the hour, we've got my good friend, uh, a hollow driver for JD Motorsports, Mr. Scott Revis, is going to swing by and talk a little bit about the West Coast Swing. He does every year a big deal there for for the teams going out there on on the on the on the West Coast. Coming off uh, the, off our third race of the season here, we had Denny Hamlin win the, tw- the 2019 Daytona 500. And in Atlanta, we had uh, uh, Brad Keselowski and then, uh, because Brad was sick. And then now we got another Roger Penske team. We've got uh, the number 22, Joey Logano, uh, notched his ticket in the 2019 chase for the NASCAR Cup. Let's go ahead and bring on Steve. I know Steve's a little bit 
under the weather. I'm going to try to do all the talking. But, Stephen, how you doing tonight, brother? Uh, I've been better. Excuse my French, son, but you sound like shit. Yeah, I, I barely have a voice. Okay, you just sit there on the on the side, and if you want to ask Scott some stuff, I'm gonna go ahead and rattle off some things. Like I said, the number to call in is two one five three eight three thirty six eighty one. Uh, I'm I'm Tim to Spain in uh, Dega Nation. The way the crow flies is about eight miles south of this two point six six mile monster we call Tallahoo Super Speedway. He's Stephen Wilson. SpeedwayDigest.com, right outside of Richmond Raceway in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Another new rules package. We had the rules package at Atlanta with out the air ducts, and we go to Vegas, and we got the air ducts. And uh, I've got uh, Vice President of Competition, Steve O'Donnell. Uh, I don't think he was really made available in the media center, but uh, I, I, I got his, his audio where he talks to some of the media members about the package that we had this past weekend for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series at Las Vegas Motor Speedway for the Pennzoil 400. Let's listen to a little bit about what OD had to say. How would you uh, evaluate where we saw Well, um, I would say if you look at uh, the first stage, um, certainly saw almost two different races, kind of stage two, stage three. Um, what we said from the beginning was we wanted to see the best car still win. Um, we wanted the ability, and this is an actual but if you look up and turn two or turn three during a run, you wanted to see the leader and the ability for second or third at least to be in that shot and have the ability to pass. We saw that. Um, you certainly saw the last stage, 100 lap, green flag run with no cautions, top four within 2.5 seconds. Um, so directionally, I think better for sure, but, uh, you know, not satisfied. We can, uh, you know, I'm a race fan first and uh, liked what I saw, but also think, you know, there's more to come hopefully. How does, does, this does this resemble what the data would yeah, I think um, you never forecast a caution-free race, right, other than the stages, and that's what you had. So you had cars sticking together for a longer period, you know, on a restart. Um, and then what we really wanted on an intermediate track was if you had a long green flag run, the ability to make a pass during that stretch versus one second, two, three, four, almost what you saw in stage one versus the second and third. So I think it was good to see directionally, you know, the guys could come up through the pack and, and uh, make a pass for the lead. Um, but still, still work to do. It's early. Um, you know, three different winners, three races. So we'll, we'll take this one and, and head to Phoenix. Um, you know, I think it's not really up to me, right? It's the fans. You want, uh, you want higher ratings, and you want more butts and seats ultimately, and um, you want rivalries out there and drivers getting after it. And you know, I think what, what happens in that situation is, is you have more passes for the lead. And you have cars closer together. So I think we're on the march to do that. I think we saw some of that today, but we can continue to improve upon it. You know, we, we got to go back and look. You know, I think the two car had throttle response and 22 and some others. So it's going to vary by driver. And I think every driver is going to have a different opinion. And that's what makes it racing. So we'll, we'll see. Um, you, you mentioned that you know, there's more work to do or more uh, things to improve on. Does that happen just by like going to different tracks or by the teams figuring out the package? Like, how do you see that developing? I think over time. I mean, we we've said from the beginning that you know this is going to be a season that we're going to analyze. We're not going to every race say, you know, was that a good race? Was that? And I know fans do that, but you know, for us directionally, are you improving upon where we wanted to be? And if you look at last year versus this year, I would say we are. Um, was it you know tremendous improvement? Probably not. Uh, but again, as, as a fan, you want to see lead changes. We saw that today, and I think if you would have looked in the past with no cautions, um, we would have seen someone check out all race long, and, and we wouldn't have seen a lead change. Were you surprised? No cautions? I was. Um, you know, you, you go back even before the race, and I think uh, even some of the media, and it probably came from the garage, right? We're going to wreck the entire field. Uh, this isn't going to be a race. Didn't happen. Um, some said NASCAR's goal is pack racing. Not the case. Our goal was to bring cars closer together, uh, have more lead changes, but again, was surprised. I think if we had more uh, green flag restarts, I think you probably would have seen one or two wrecks. Um, but we'll see. You know, it's early again, and you know, I'd rather err on the on the side of not wrecking cars and, and uh, having some lead changes versus having that happen through accidents. Yeah.
yeah, no, that's 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 the way the rule's written. So we, we made that call. I mean, we'll go back and continue to look at it, but under the rule, that's that's the call that we needed to make. Any sense of, any sense of relief that after the first day? <coughs> I think that's fair. I mean, you, you look at it, and I've learned a, a long time ago to you know I think Mike telling me, hey, let the race play out, right? And that's that's what happens. You never know. So I was. Certainly glad to see that, that drivers were able to come up and, and make a pass for sure and thought stage two and three were, were much more the direction we wanted to see for, for this race. That was NASCAR Executive Vice President and Chief Racing Development Officer for NASCAR, Mr. Steve O'Donnell, otherwise known as OD in the Media Center. Given his perspective on the new package that NASCAR has implemented at some of our mile-and-a-half tracks. And uh, listeners, go on and call in. Number call in is 215-383-3681. You can give me your feedback on what you saw at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this past weekend. Steven's a little bit under the weather, so I'm just going to let him talk whenever he gets ready to talk. But coming up here shortly, we've got my good friend, uh, driver of the one of the J.D. Motorsports Hallers. For J.D. Motorsports and Scott Reeves, he's going to join us live from the, I think Suzanne said he's at the South Point Casino in Las Vegas, so he's living it up out there, so we're going to have to make a trip out there. But like I said, I don't I don't want you to use all your all your breath on this, but I want to talk a little bit about a little bit about the package that we went to in Atlanta that we we didn't have the air ducts to let our listeners know the air ducts is in the front, on the right front, left front, that Let's air flow through the car. But we had the brake ducts at Vegas. Where they tested these brake ducts was at Vegas. And you and I were testing during the race. I think we had a pretty good race. It was, I mean, you know, don't, just like Larry Mack said, don't pump the brakes as of yet. Let's go ahead and get some races under this package. I don't know if we need to tweak it or not, but it seems like the Hendrick Motorsports bunch, Stephen, they... They have fell off. I don't know what's happened to them. They're they're not up to par, and the Toyotas, in my opinion, are not up to the par as these as these two Penske cars. And to throw in Ryan Blaney, Ryan Blaney's laying right back there. It's just a matter of time before he wins the race. But if you want to talk a little bit, I'll let you talk, and then uh, we'll go on to something else. But you got the floor. If you don't want to talk, you let me know. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll try and do what I can. Um, I think, honestly, that we're looking at this race, and, I mean, we really didn't see too much difference. Um, I mean, yeah, I've seen stats put out by NASCAR in the fact of how many lead lap passes there were and how many green flag passes there were and passes for the lead and et cetera. But when you look back, and you look back at some of these 1.5-mile racetracks, you typically see a leader, and clean air is it was king before and is king still. Um, we saw some of these leaders get out to four or five-plus-second leads, and sure, they were run down to some extent, but had it not been for the stage break cautions, I think we would have just seen leaders continuously running away by multiple seconds. And while it's still early, I think, that um, we've got some other tracks we need to go to. We need to see how it performs this week at ISM and Phoenix and Go to Auto Club. Martinsville is just going to be Martinsville because um, we're not going to have these packages. And then by the time we get to Texas and Dover and so on, I think NASCAR and we'll, we should have enough data in which NASCAR and the teams can start surmising what's going on. <clears throat> and sure, you can simulate a lot of things like, you know, Steve O'Donnell was talking about, but you can't always simulate what happens in in a race with 40 cars on the racetrack. So I think that really we have to sit back and watch. And Fox saw an increase in the viewership this past weekend, and I think we can attribute that 
to the fact of how many changes there have been and what this new package was proposed to do. But I think that at the end of the day, um, you know, it's going to leave some race fans kind of feeling burnt in the fact they were promised or, or, or the media and everybody said that this is what's going to happen or this is what we saw in simulations and testing. But that's not what we saw in a race. And I think going forward, I think that's just, you know, we, it, it, the teams in NASCAR are going to have to acquire the data to see what's going on. And will they make a change? Who knows? Honestly, I don't know. But if they were to make a change, I mean, it's going to have to be uh, something that's going to involve the engine builders, the aerodynamic engineers, um, you know, all the people that make these cars run. And if they have to make a change, then this is going to have this is going to be a change. Whatever they do to tweak or change anything isn't going to happen in a quick pace because all these engineers and engine builders and aerodynamic specialists and et cetera have built this car based on the rules and the testing over the last year. So, you know, we, we probably have a full season of this, and if there are any tweaks, then it may be tweaks going into 2020. But for the long haul, at least for the 2019 season, whatever happens is is going to happen, and we're going to have to we're we're going to we're going to um, as people that follow the sport and cover the sport and fans of the sport are going to have to maybe tough it out just a little bit. And while yes, there there were some some differences that over 2018 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Um, I think substantially we've seen this race play out multiple times before, both with this package now and without the package and in similar packages. And, uh, you know, NASCAR is looking at building new cars, uh, seventh generation, and who knows what they're working on, but, you know, all this data that's being acquired data that's going to make the racing better and you know it just takes time it's nothing you know it's like anything else it takes time they just can't change the package every week to try and try and tweak it uh, because you know cars are built and prepared weeks and even months ahead of time so you know we we have that so I think we just have to watch this play out let NASCAR and the teams acquire the data see what we are, see how the racing changes in either ISM and um, uh, Auto Club, Texas, Dover, and some other places. And maybe we will have better racing at some niche racetracks, but one race alone isn't really just enough to make a determination. Exactly, Stephen. And uh, the, a couple of weeks ago, you and I were at the Atlanta Motor Speedway, and uh, at the Foles of Honor Quick Trip 500, we uh, NASCAR started doing something different with this media. Uh, you know, they have their regular media schedule into the media center. Well, they started doing what they call these breakoff sessions, and Atlanta Motor Speedway brought in two and three drivers at a at a time and made available to us the media in the driver's meeting room. And you and I had the opportunity to talk to Matt Benedetto, and I posed a question to uh, Matt. You know, I said, you know, coming into this weekend and Foles of Honor Quick Trip 500, you know, there's a lot of fans, like O.D. mentioned, was looking for pack racing. But uh, like, unlike at Daytona and here at my home track, Talladega, you're not going to see pack racing on a one-and-a-half-mile racetrack. Like Matt told me, Matt said, Tim, you're probably going to see five, six, maybe seven, eight cars in a uh, draft, you know, he said, I really couldn't tell you because, honestly, we're fixing to, you know, put 40 cars on the racetrack here at Atlanta Motor Speedway, which is, on top of that, is a cheese grater for tires. And O.D. had mentioned that in, in a statement that uh, somebody that he had heard, I don't know if in the media center or in the garage, driver's owner's lot or something, he had he had heard that NASCAR is trying to make everything a pack racing. And you heard O.D. say, O.D. said, that, that's not true. We're not trying to make that. And 
that sort of coincides with my question that I asked Matt Benedetto. There's no other place like Daytona and Talladega. You're not going to see that race at anywhere else. Fans, you can forget it. It ain't going to happen. We'll pile it. No, it's not going to happen. Now, what Stephen mentioned on some of his mile and a half track, don't knock it right yet. Just like I said earlier, Lambert Reynolds said, pump the brakes, back up. Let's get, like, like you said, Stephen, let's get a few more races under this new package and see what we do need to tweak. And I think NASCAR as a whole, as a sanctioned body, is really doing one hell of a job to try to make these mile-and-a-half tracks a lot better, Stephen. Yeah. I mean, you know, it shows that by them making these radical changes (coughs) that um, they're listening to the fans. I mean, they don't have their fingers in their ears. They are listening. And like I said, change in NASCAR sometimes doesn't come at the pace that the fans are are wanting it. There's too many moving parts and pieces. There's many people that put their hands on these cars every week. Not only from the people in the shop, but the engine, the NASCAR, to the people at on the at the track each weekend. And these cars take time to build and prep and take to the racetrack. So, you know, you just don't get to say that after one race at Las Vegas that we're just going to make more radical changes and expect him to show up to ISM in Phoenix with a brand new different package of radical changes. It takes sometimes, like I said, weeks and months to build these cars. So it may take weeks and months for NASCAR to figure out what they need to change so that by the time they do come back to these racetracks, let's say when they come back to Las Vegas in September or ISM in November, that these they may have a totally different tweaked package. And we may see two different types of racing from the spring to the fall. That's right, Stephen. I will definitely agree. And I think Suzanne has our guest over in the screening room. I'm going to give her a minute here to see what else is going on. But just again, ladies and gentlemen, number to call in is 215-383-3681. I'm Tim Spain, just south of the 2.66-mile monster week called Tyler Super Speedway. He's Stephen Wilson, Speedway Dodger, just right outside of Richmond, Richmond Raceway. And Richmond, they, they went under a, a lot of new upgrades, too. And, um, I want to throw this out there right quick if I can because my good friend Russell Branham at Tallahassee Public Relations Director at Tallahassee Speedway, he and his team are heading out to Phoenix this weekend to see some of that new stuff that they had done out there to upgrade their their guest services and all that. But this coming Saturday here at my home track, we have, I think it's going to be the 14th or 15th, I can't remember, annual wild game cook-off here at Tallahassee Speedway. Uh if if you're listening out of state or what have you, come by, check out some of the, they they have cook teams, they judge stuff, you get to walk around, they have alcoholic beverages, which I put the beer can down, but I still like a good glass of Chardonnay, but come on down and check out Tyler's Super, Super Speedway's Wild Game Cook-Off this Saturday. It will be in the Cup Garage. I think you can go to IbamaWildlifeFederation.com, you can get your tickets there. Or what have you, but check all that out because Russell and his and his bunch are going to be in Phoenix checking all that out. And let's go ahead and bring on uh, my good friend, hauler driver for JD Motorsports and the NASCAR Finish Series, Mr. Scott Riva. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Scott, that's probably a fitting bring on there since you're 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 still in Sin City, aren't you? Ain't you're you're staying at the South Point. I'm at the racetrack right now. Oh, Suzanne told me you were still you were still gonna be in Vegas. I'm in Vegas. I'm at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. 
Oh, you're at the track now. What? Uh, can you let us? Can you let our listeners know what you're doing at the track, brother? Well, right now we're loading up the trucks. We've been over here getting our Phoenix cars set up and getting some stuff done to our California cars, and they're kicking us out of here at five o'clock. So we're trying to get the trucks loaded up. So you can't get no more in depth than what you guys are right now. <laughs> uh, that sounds good, brother. And uh, Scott, I, I just want to let you know, Stephen's a little bit Side under door. the weather. He's gonna he's gonna try to talk. He, I can understand him, but you can tell he's got one of them one of them rattles. Uh, Scott, uh, we had you on last year making the trip out to the West Coast. Y'all made it again. Y'all left the ATL, went to Las Vegas, and like you said, you're there at Las Vegas Motor Speedway now. Can you talk a little bit about the logistics? Did y'all have some guys come out and meet y'all, or did y'all have some guys come out and bring the the Phoenix cars to y'all, or can you let everybody know exactly how all that's going on? Well, we got three haulers, and two of our haulers could carry three cars, so we took everything with us. Um, so we came out with eight cars, um, all the equipment, so we didn't have to have somebody come out special to... Huh? And, um, sorry about that, I'm still working. And uh, well, you, You're all right, bud. You do what you got to do. <laughs> And uh, like I said, so we brought everything with us, so we had to change some things over today. Um, yesterday, they wouldn't let us work at the track on Sunday because of the race. And then, uh, But we got everything switched over today, and now we're trying to get the cars loaded up. We're going to head over to South Point, take a day off the bar, and then head out to Phoenix Thursday morning. And Scott, just how far a drive is it from uh, the Las Vegas Motor Speedway down to ISM Raceway there in uh, Avondale, Arizona? It's about five and a half, six hours. It's not too bad of a ride. But we left uh, we left Gaffney two we left Gaffney Tuesday night. We got here about Thursday afternoon last week. And Scott, you uh, mentioned that y'all that y'all had all the hauls. Y'all brought all the did y'all bring the Auto Club Speedway cars out there also? Oh yeah, we got them all out here. So we carried, let's see, one, two, I'm counting them right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight cars. Awesome. Eight cars, four and, teams. And, and Scott, have you, have, have you got my buddy Bowman with you? Is he out there doing anything or is he out there pulling things? Yeah, he's over there standing up against the car, leaning on it, holding it up. I figured that. I figured that. But, Scott, before I hand you over to Steve, I, I think Steve might have a question, too. Like I said, he's very under the weather. You, you're going to have to listen to hear him because I know y'all are working in the background. And thank you very much for calling in while y'all are getting ready to leave for ISM Raceway. But let us, I think we talked last year uh, when y'all made, when, when y'all left Gaffney last year. And the logistics, like you've done mentioned twice, and I think I've asked you the same question twice, y'all got all cars out there. But how long does it take you to get, as far as your DOT logbook, to get from Gaffney, South Carolina, to Las Vegas Motor Speedway? Um, eh. If you don't stop, which, you know, it's, you're looking at about a 32-hour ride, but we had co-drivers, so we, but the truck never stopped except when we had Amarillo. We slowed down a little bit in Oklahoma City because ice storms. And then we had Amarillo had to stop at the Big Texas to get me a big old steak. And then uh, cruised on the rest of the way. So technically, really, the other than the fuel up and for us to fuel up, the truck never stopped. So we had co-drivers in all three trucks, and we all got here in a pretty good amount of time and got here safe and got them all cleaned up and ready to be shiny and got here and got surprised. And boss man had a guy here out ready to polish our wheels and our tanks for us, and the trucks are looking pretty. That's awesome, brother. And you and you said right off the bat, safe trip. Scott, I'm gonna hand you over to uh, to Stephen and see if he has a question too. And I'll let him throw you back to me, and I'll go ahead and send you off. Stephen, you got a question? Yeah, for Scott Revis out there. No, I'm gonna let you have this one. Okay. He sounds rough. He looks like he's not he having a good day. No, he ain't. He uh, he uh, texted and said, uh, Tim's going to be a lot of you and very little of me, and I'll do what I can. But anyway, Scott, before we let you jump out of here, uh, we were talking about Ross Chastain earlier, uh, or, you know, mm-hmm. last year, about about that deal and everything. And you had told us in Darlington last year 
Watch that young man. He's going to win this race. Well, anyway, Ross had that deal fall through. And now he's back with J.D. He's still in good equipment, running good, still up there in the points. Talk a little bit about how Ross's feelings are. I mean, which I know I talked to Ross. You talked to Ross. He's still upbeat. He still don't care where he's driving as long as he's driving a race car. And also let everyone know, when he won that race last year, you was the first one in Victor Lane with that big old watermelon. Does everybody know about the watermelon deal? Oh, yeah. we. Uh, his dad asked me probably about 50 laps before the race was over if he won the race, I'd bring some watermelons up there to him. And I talked to the boss fans since technically it wasn't our team. And he's like, heck, yeah, you do whatever they ask you to do. And the big picture, if y'all seen Ross holding the watermelon up in the air, I'm hiding behind the car. Handed him the watermelon. And if anybody's ever seen me before, you know that's a feat in of itself. Um, <laughs> but it was, you know, I'm a, I'm a big boy. But he's doing uh, some stuff this year similar, except he's doing it with Collie. He had a good run at Daytona. And then uh, he's running again in Chicago. And if he can do uh, stop, run real well in Chicago, have to get a win and lock us in. And, uh, and uh, that would make a lot of things less stressful here, and we might be able to do a little more about trying to get the zero into the playoffs as well. That's right. And Lester, just to let you know, Scott Ravis is in the garage at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. He's trying to spot for all of his team members, and it sounds like he had to hire somebody. But anyway, Scott, I know you're busy, and I want to throw this out there. I brought up the, I brought up the watermelon. And that's one of the most iconic pictures and one of the most feel-good stories as a media guy that I have ever seen in a long time. <laughs> and to let our listeners know, the deal with the watermelon, with Scott bringing the watermelon to Ross Chastain and Victor Lane, Ross's parents are big watermelon growers in Florida, correct, Scott? Yeah, yeah Ross is a third-generation watermelon farmer. He still farms today. He's still a driver, but he's still a farmer. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you, Scott, that young man right there, he's one of them. He ain't forgot where he's coming from, has he, brother? Uh, not at all. Like he said, it was quote after. He's like, if if I never race again and I have to go to water watermelon farm today, I have no regrets. And uh, he's one of the people that I say that and I truly believe it. His parents raised he he was raised right. He's a good kid. And he's a hell of a driver. You're damn right, Scott. And Scott, I know you're I know you're very busy. Uh let everybody know where they can follow you at on social media and uh talk a little bit about your Facebook hauling and when you haul in to the to the tracks that you drive to week in and week out. Let let everybody know where they can follow you. If you want to see me on Facebook, I'm uh just look up Scott Revis, R E A V I S. Got a picture of me and my J D stuff on. Um I'm at Twitter as Revis five one seven. Um, I don't really tweet that much, but Facebook is the place to get a hold of me. Just send me a message. Let me know you heard me on the pit stop, and uh, we'll say hey. And uh, maybe doing a video here shortly, going back to the to the casinos. So y'all see the strip, so uh, we may see how that goes. I'll be on in about an hour. Well, that sounds good because I'm pretty sure Steve and I will be off here and probably listen. Right, so we will tune you in on Facebook, Scott. Thank you very much for coming on the show tonight. Um, we appreciate talking to you in Atlanta. Thanks for everything that, that you do for J.D. Motorsports, NASCAR, Xfinity Series, NASCAR. And thank you very much for everything that you do for uh, uh, myself and Stephen and Suzanne on the Pit Stop Radio. And safe travels to ASM Raceway, brother, and I will stay in touch. Anytime, brother. All right. Take care, Scott. We'll see you, brother. All right. You too. Scott Revis there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I did not know he was going to be working at the time, or I would probably have not have sent him an email to see if he wanted to come on. But, Stephen, we sort of caught him right there. They were loading stuff up. Scott's hollering, and uh, that, that was some pretty good stuff there. But, uh, yeah, Scott's a real good friend of the Pit Stop and com and all of us. Uh, Scott always enjoys coming on and talking about the logistics side of it. I guess he's our number one hauler driver go-to that loves to come on and talk about the logistics when they have problems or what have you. And it's pretty neat hearing him say that they that they have the four car, the four haulers, and they took three cars per hauler all the way out there. So they got all their equipment 
they took to the for this West Coast swing all in one batch, Stephen. So they don't have to come back to Gaffney, South Carolina, at JD Motorsports. They get done for the West Coast swing, bro. Yeah, it's life on the road <clears throat> of some of these teams, and they do this. Um, you know, it's a cost-saving measure for them just to stay out there for the three weeks and then come back. Um, bring all their equipment with them. That's right. Stephen, I know you're under under the weather. So uh, I don't want to end it right yet, but I do want to – I've got uh, – Joe Lagana was made available to the media after he won the uh, Pinto 400 there at Las Vegas, mostly. I think it's about 18 minutes long. Uh, go ahead and take your break. I'm on, I'm going to take a break. I want our listeners to uh, to hear this full audio deal. And uh, – Take your break, brother. Get you a little shot of moonshine with some uh, with some peppermint in it. Ease that throat. Sit back. Listen to the pit stop between Tim and Stephen Wilson. And we're going to listen to what Joe Logano said in the Midi Center after his win at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Okay, we are now joined by the race winner of the 22nd annual Pennzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube, and that's the driver of the number 22 Pennzoil Ford for Team Penske. <laughs> Joey Logano. We'll open the floor for questions. We'll start with Dominic, and then we'll go to Jerry. Oh, I don't have another microphone. Oh, cool. Yeah, Dominic, how with the racing experts? Just want to get your thoughts on tying Terry Labonte on the all-time wins list. Is that something you, you take a look at, or just, I guess, gather your thoughts on gathering, uh, tying the two-time champion there? Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing accomplishment. Um, Texas Terry, man, that was a uh, I remember growing up, and I had a Terry Labonte diecast, but they were like, remember they made the bigger like bigger ones? I had one, uh, and I thought that was really cool. I was always about the Frosted Flakes, man. So <laughs> that was, uh, you know, really neat to, to think that I'm even, you know, on the, the same stage that he raced at at one point. And um, I didn't get race against him a whole bunch, but uh, it, it is an amazing accomplishment, something that, that um, you know, I look at actually – quite frequently <laughs> to see uh, where you stack up uh, between, um, you know, all these great racers. So um, that is a, something I pay attention to. It's, it's an honor to, to be, uh, you know, tied with him now. And, um, yeah, try to get another one. Keep keep going. The good thing is i got a, quite a few more races left in me, so hopefully we can keep grabbing them and keep uh, moving up there. I'm not sure I'll get to the <laughs> to the top of, of, of it, but I can uh, keep trying to chip away at it and keep moving up. That's pretty cool. We'll go next to Jerry, then to Mark, then to David. Texas Jerry. Jordan kicking the tire side of that. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Number one dad joke so far. Keep going. <laughs> You're in car. Uh, after the race, you were deciding on where to do, do your burnout. I heard them say, "Welcome to the uh, welcome to the to the playoffs." And, but uh, you were you were debating on whether or not to tear up the. Uh, the landscaping out there with the Pinzol logo. Oh, there is no debate. I was going to tear up the landscaping here. Uh, I, the the talk was last night we had a big Pennzoil dinner, and the, the talk was that, that I was going to do some donuts and then the grass at the end of the race, at the end of the race, not during the race. And uh, and so to be able to, to do that, that was super cool. Uh, great photo op, but um, I'm all about the big smoky burnout. So I said, well, i got to do the big smoky burnout first. And, and I also didn't want to go through the grass and, and have the splitter dig in and completely destroy everything and go flipping. I, I, thought I, I just saw it going wrong in my mind. So I said, I'm going to do a cool burnout, which I thought was super cool. I don't know if you guys saw it, but I, I got dizzy, and that was neat. And uh, and then I made a couple of donuts in the, in the grass. That was cool. You know, it's uh, I got to go drifting with Vaughn for a while uh, the last you know, um, well, I've done it for the last few years here, but uh, just over over time with the, with that cup car that we've made as a drift car, and um, so I'm getting good at it. I'm getting good at the burnout, so I gotta I gotta show my skills off a little bit when we win. <laughs> uh, Mark Carroll, PRN, Joey, talk about the end of the race with with you and Brad. At one point, you jumped out, looked like you had things well in hand, and then all of a sudden, you know, he crawled back into the picture and almost was able to do the slide job there at the end yeah that was uh <laughs> more intense than i wanted it to be um just uh you know it, there's been plenty of times here <laughs> where we've led a lot of laps and, and by the stats this is probably our best racetrack or close to it and we've never won um and that's the most important stat to have and usually something happens the last run and, and brad gets a little better and 
for some reason his last you know pit stop they make a good change and he becomes the fastest car and he wins and it's, he's done that here plenty of times and uh, I looked in the mirror. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is happening again. <laughs> I can't believe it. And uh, he was able to get by me, and I was like, oh, I hope this just didn't happen. I, I can, uh, you know, keep trying to get in front of him again and was able to get a, uh, a run on a lap car and be able to work down into, uh, into the corner and, uh, and be able to clear him. And, but I burnt my tires off so bad trying to get back in front of him um, that I was just working so hard uh, inside the car trying to, to, to maintain the gap. And I was in a good shape, and then I caught a lap car, and uh, he went up into the top lane, which is where I was running, and I fouled him right in there, and I was like, oh, no, and uh, I just lost a ton of time, and then brought Brad close enough to where he can catch a draft uh, off of me to close up the rest of the gap, and I thought, man, good, this is, good thing this thing's 400 miles. I, I just told the Pennzoil people, let's not make this race any longer. That was, that was just the right length. Uh, 405 would have been uh, a little bit too long, <laughs> so it is cool, though. I, I remember sitting up here on the stage when they announced the, uh, you know, Penzo was going to, um, you know, be the, the, um, the sponsor for this, this race and, uh, how important it was for me to win this thing. So, uh, it's cool to be able to deliver for them. Going next to David and then the Tom and then the Davey. Uh, David Swope of the New Mexico Motorsports Report. Um, Joey, uh, how surprised are you that, um, Mustang came along so quickly, um, and was able to, uh, have so much success with, uh, Three races in, your team's got two victories, um, and uh, Camaro had so much struggle. Um, do you think that it has a lot to do with uh, the work that was done on the aero package, or what do you attribute that to? Teamwork, uh, probably, probably the, the quick answer. Um, the way uh, the four teams are able to work together, the way Ford engineers are able to, to communicate and, and uh, be able to build what, what we think is best. Um, and, you know, the timing of it was great. You know, when you think the other manufacturers, they they made their changes during just a, a normal, you know, into the next season where there wasn't many rules changes. Um, but w we made it when there was a big rules change coming. And I like to say some of that was <laughs> maybe a little bit of luck, but maybe maybe not. Um, but, you know, everyone's going through a learning curve right now. And so if there's a time to do it, now's the time because we had to redo everything we had anyway. So uh, th that seems to, like just paying uh, dividends for us now. Hi, Joey. Tom Zaleski, Iron County today. A um, couple of things. P part one, uh, did, how much did lap traffic play into in, into this package and how you were trying to keep clean air and, and uh, keep, keep everybody behind you? And two, were you having any flashbacks with Kyle, f with Kyle from two years ago as he was coming in the rearview mirror, especially in the early going? No, I just think about what's going on in the windshield a lot of times. That's most important to me. Um, but, you know, there towards the end, uh, you know, the, the way this, this – this drafting package or whatever you want to call it, these rules, um, it's it's intense. You can't get away. You're you're constantly looking around. You're you're, you're uh, mentally. I'm exhausted right now. It's just so much going on in the race, and you're trying to, you know, uh, you know, draft on the straightaways and try to get in the right gap. And you're trying to keep cars from being able to draft from you. You're working lap traffic as best as possible. Uh, you know, you're you're getting to corners and you're working different lanes. Uh, you know, it's just. There's so much strategy that goes into uh, driving these race cars now um, that, you know, I, I thought it was entertaining as can be. <laughs> I, I don't really know what to say if you don't like that. That was, uh, you know, not very often where you're going to have a, a green flag run that long and have a finish that close between three cars. Uh, that's that's something, I tell you what. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd say it's a big thumbs up for the sport. Um, you know, I'm, I'm proud to, to be a part of that and, uh, you know, something that, It'll be interesting as the as the year goes, and as you know, these teams keep uh, evolving and, and changing the, the the their setups and things like that. But you know, so far, I mean, that's you know, Atlanta was a good race. This was a, a great race. Um, you know, it proves that we don't have to have big crashes to have a good race. Uh, you know, I think that was was something that was pretty cool to see today. Go next to David, then to Justin, and back up front. David Siegel with front stretch. Um, so you obviously were in clean air at the end, but you were also in the middle of the pack throughout the race how big of a difference is it between having clean air and being in the dirty air how does your car handle differently and is the difference really that pronounced where you can't just get around somebody easily i mean everything's what it's crazy in traffic uh you know when you're in the lead uh you're able to be pretty much wide open uh, especially the first few laps you're definitely able to be wide open uh and that's why you saw you know on the restarts cars aren't able to drive away from each other uh, because the leader doesn't really have an advantage. You know, the second place car can be wide open behind him, plus he has a draft to keep him close. 
so you can't get away until 15, 20 laps when you start to lift. Uh, and that's when uh, it seems like you're able to, you know, maybe start to gap a little bit, which it didn't happen at the end. But, uh, you know, that's why you, those restarts were so intense where you had so many cars in line. And it's like, what, what lane do I go to? And you're just trying to strategically put yourself in the right spot to play offense, but also know that try to not lose a spot. You know, that was a tough part. And um, you're relying on the information your spotter gives you. You're relying on, uh, you know, just the information that you know about your car and, and maximizing that. Uh, Justin Schuler, Speedway Media. Two questions. One to kind of expand on that. Was there clear advantage being out front versus kind of being in the no. middle of the pack? No. No clear advantage. Cool. Uh, maybe the other way around. <laughs> so uh, that was – that's cool. You know, it's, that's good. Yeah, it was um, – you know, the way racing's been there for a while, it's, it's, it's you know, the leader would check out. Uh, you know, after three laps here, you know, the leader would be – you have a huge advantage. And, and now it's, you know, it's – for, for what it is right now, you know, things will things will change when we get back here and as we go through the season. But for now, the races have been great. The leaders can't get away, um, you know, and, and, and you know, those old tires moving around the racetrack, you know, we're able to run the wall like that uh, in three and four. Super cool. And secondly, did you feel that this was more of a mental race versus a physical race, you know, maybe comparing to last year's? It got physical track? a couple times, so we'll say that. But uh, at least it was on the racetrack and not on pit road afterwards. And, uh, been there. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, anyway, yeah, it, it is a, a mental race for sure because you, you're you, a lot of times the, the decision of where you go in the corner depends on who's around you and where the car in front of you went or the car behind you went. So um, you're, you're constantly looking around, just knowing your surroundings. It's important. Well, yeah, you're great at plate races, so it seems like you know, a lot of drafting was manipulated throughout the race. Yep. Yeah, it was. It was. There's a lot of a lot of different things going on. Hi, Anna Michelle Johnson with KDVM TV. I was wondering what your complete honest opinion of the package was, the new package for this, this race. Yeah, I just told you. I think it's great. I thought the racing was awesome. Uh, I thought, you know, I don't really know what else to give you if you, don't, if you didn't like it. <laughs> it's just the racing's close. There's side by side. There's, uh, you know, aggressive blocks and big moves and bumping and banging that's nascar baby i don't really know what else to tell you lee lee spencer racing boys.com when when kurt was out front and you're running behind harvick um you know kurt was in a different situation because he didn't his tires weren't as fresh as yours um or kevin's and you know what what were you, what was going on there because it, to me that looked a lot like what was going on in the Xfinity race with Kyle and and Reddick and and Bell and we saw some really close racing and I'll ask my second question when you finish. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, uh, there's <laughs> like I said, there's a lot going on there. Um, you know the the you know the cars are definitely um, you know when you're by yourself they're pretty simple and when you get in traffic there's a lot of a lot of uh you know man, a lot of things going on and and kurt was able to uh you know have a good strategy move um you know where, where they pitted late in the end of the second stage and uh stayed out and you know, i was surprised he stayed up there as long as he did <laughs> a five out of it so you know you yeah. think that's something that we'll see with this package if if the track say the track is mm -hmm. smooth like this and not as abrasive, not as abrasive or on the tire. california or in atlanta yeah, so it may be different when we go to other racetracks, but here, um, I thought that was a, a awesome move by the race team <laughs> to be able to do that. Uh, I thought we were going to eat them up a little quicker than what we did, but um, you know that clean air, the cars handle so much better that tires don't really do much for you. You know, you're you're going slower because <laughs> you don't get a draft, and you have way more grip. So tires really didn't mean much if you have the lead. Now. You put that car on old tires and you place a tenth, he's going to get eaten up. You know, that's just, that was the, the game. But uh, they did that to get the lead. Great strategy move. Um, that, that really gained them a lot of spots and a great finish. And, you know, let's face from our perspective, from observations, um, the first stage wasn't all that great. But by the, you know, final stage, you guys were all kind of figuring out and getting it together. You really found it exciting. The people who were here watching it found it exciting. How do we translate that to the fans sitting at home who are on Twitter complaining right now? Who's complaining? They. What are they okay, they're, here's they're the thing. People love to complain. <laughs> you want to get me going? Here we go. 
<laughs> people love to talk about negative stories, and I don't know why. I don't understand it. There's a lot of positive going on in our world, and I'm not just talking about NASCAR racing, but there's plenty of good things that happen, and every time we turn on the news, I'm sick of seeing negative stories because there's all these good stories that get overshadowed by someone writing a negative story uh, or someone getting on Twitter and being all big and bad and writing something that, that makes them feel better uh, because they, they, they want something different. Sometimes those people know what they want. That, that's my opinion. Um, you know, I, I think when, when I look at, uh, you know, wh where we are as a sport, there's a lot of great things coming down the pipeline for us. Uh, there's a lot of great um, decisions that are being made. There's a lot of uh, collaboration of, of race teams and drivers and uh, sponsors and racetracks. Everyone's working together, TV partners, media, all you guys are, we're all working together. And, and there's a lot of good things happening because we're working together. Um, and, and I think the fans are going to benefit from that. Um, you know, I thought, <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you, man. When you have cars racing side by side to the start finish line after how many laps was that last run? A long, a long run, 100 laps ish. 100 laps, yeah. I, what else you want? I don't know. They're just trolls on Twitter, man. <laughs> That's what they are. Joey, congratulations. Mark Anthony DeBello, DPC Inc. One of our uh, high-powered uh, partners does data, and we also work with William Hill, who does data. And I want to get your opinion from a driver's perspective. Uh, we had the over-under listed for cautions at six and a half. Our data partner thought it would be a lot less. We also have information that if NASCAR were to do this, they would increase their bottom line by 10%, including their ratings in the fall when you're up against the all-important NFL. Question, your opinion. What if NASCAR were to go to four stages? Would it be more entertaining? And what's your opinion from a driver's perspective? Ooh, boy, that's just some serious stats there. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, I mean, I would have thought there had been more wrecks today. Uh, I would have said that there had definitely been more crashes as the cars were closer and all that. And, and you know, some, somehow there wasn't. Um, drivers are really good. Uh, you know, I, I think that's one part of it. That these drivers and, and these stock cars are, I mean, they're best in the country, man. So there's not many mistakes and not many crashes. Uh, they're able to control the cars at least. So I guess that's one piece of that. Uh, if they're at another stage, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, we do that to Coke 600, right? We have another stage in that, um, you know, because we have an extra 100 miles and the race is really long, so it makes sense when you have 600 miles. But, you know, I, I don't think the racing gets better with another stage. Um, you know, the, the strategy of the race is kind of cool because you have these stages, uh, you know, that, that are starting in the beginning and, and you're racing to those stages, and that's one thing. And then it's like, okay, we're done with the second stage. You take a deep breath and say, okay, now it's not about stage racing. It's about winning the race. And your strategy changes once again uh, on how you get yourself there. Uh, those cautions are cool, though, because you see, like, Kurt, you know, they, they knew the caution was coming, and that's why they pulled the strategy that they did, which ultimately gave them a good finish. Um, I don't think another stage really changes that very much. Um, Okay, well, you address so. strategy, so, but you, you like what you said about positive and er entertaining and exciting. As a driver, would you find it personally exciting, do you think? If there's another stage? Yeah. I find everything exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pumped-up person, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't think we need to. I, I, I really don't. I, I think um, I love th that we introduce stage racing. I think it's great. I think the two stages is right. Um, I think it, it breaks up the race. It gives it natural, uh, you know, TV breaks and and ability, you know, time for people that they know the caution's coming out. They can go and, and get a hamburger or whatever they, they want. Um, get a nice cold Coca-Cola maybe. Um, and so that's good. That part's good. And there's there's points scored during an event which we didn't have before, and and, and no other sport was like that. So now we have points scored during an event. That's cool. Uh, but I don't, I, really, I don't think we need another one. I, I, I think it's exciting the way it is. Any additional questions for Joey? Joey, congratulations on the victory, and good luck next week in Phoenix. Cool. Thank you, guys. That was Joey Logano, which was made available to the media at Las Vegas Motor Speedway after winning the Pennzoil 400 and punching his ticket into the 2019 playoffs for the NASCAR for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. 
Uh, I want to let everyone know Stephen Woods had to jump out. Like I had mentioned earlier, he was under the weather. So we let Stephen jump out of there. Uh, before we get off here, I want to read off the uh, the uh, times and uh, TV and radio stuff for this weekend at ISM Raceway. Uh, all times are Eastern. Local time, two hours behind. Friday, March 8th, Monster Energy Cup Series first practice is at 1.35 p.m. 2.25 p.m. on MRN. And then also Friday, uh, Xfinity Series practice, 3.05 p.m. to 3.55 p.m. It will be on TV at Fox Sports 1. Xfinity Series final practice, 5.05 p.m. to 5.55 p.m. Fox Sports 1 has your TV. And Monster Energy Cup Series qualifying will be this Friday at 6.10 p.m. MRN has your radio and Fox Sports 1 has your TV. And then coming up Saturday, the Monster Energy Cup Series second practice is at 11.35 a.m., 12.25 p.m. Uh, your radio is MRN. Your TV is Fox Sports 1. Xfinity Series qualifying, 12.40 p.m., also Saturday, March 9th, will be on Fox Sports 1 TV coverage. Monster Energy Cup Series final practice is at 2.05 p.m. to 2.55 p.m. MRN has your radio coverage. Fox Sports 1 has your TV and then the radio pre-race is at 3.30 p.m. on ER on MRN TV pre-race is Fox Sports 1 Xfinity Series 200 from ISM Raceway there at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, MRN has your radio. Fox Sports 1 has your TV. And then coming up Sunday, March 10th, the radio pre-race will be 2.30 p.m. MRN has that. TV pre-race is 3 p.m. on Fox. And then you got the Monster Energy Cup Series Ticket Guardian 500 for ISM Raceway, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. MRN has your radio coverage. Fox, it will be on local Fox channel, uh, Nationwide Fox, at 3.30. And then your local tracks, uh, your your local MRN radio stuff there to track, 1580 AM, 99.3 FM, 95.9 FM. And I want to give a big shout-out to Stephen Willis for taking time to come on tonight with him being under the weather. And, again, I want to uh, let everyone know that you can follow Stephen at SpeedwayDigest.com and also at Speedway Digest on Twitter. I want to thank Scott Rivas, Rivas for taking time to come on. While he was in the garage, they were getting ready to load out. Follow him on Facebook Live. Later he's going to uh, gonna do a haul out there for Motor Speedway. And, again, uh, I'm Tim Spain. I want to Tuning in, and we will talk to you next Tuesday evening from Talladega, Alabama. Good night. Yeah.